0: This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. Verse 7 says, The instructions of the Lord are perfect. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant and a great reward for those who obey them. God's word is... Is perfect. Now, there are some out there who are believers that would say, no, nah, I don't know that it's totally perfect. There's some parts I believe, some parts I don't. If we start picking and choosing from here what we're going to believe and what we're not going to believe, we have a very shaky foundation. We have a faith that's got holes all in it and won't hold up. You've got to believe it's perfect. This is God's Word, the Bible. And that's what we believe at Nags Head Church. It's the perfect Word of God. Second thing is, we believe the Bible's authors were divinely inspired. They were divinely inspired. Second Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All Scripture is inspired for God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do, is, what, to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people for every good work. Inspired means God breathed, put into man by God. God placed into the hearts of human writers what he wanted in his word. And not only did he inspire his word, but he wants to use that word in our lives to help us serve him and live out our lives as believers and and ministering. He equips us with his word. So we believe his word is divinely inspired. We also believe that God's word, is uh, the Bible, is God's revelation to man. God's revelation to man; He's revealed to us. Second Peter 1, 20 and twenty one says, "But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made up by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God." Um, I don't know about you, but I, sometimes I, you know, get to get in conversations with people which I enjoy talking about these kind of things, and I've had people say to me, um, you know what, it's fine if you want to believe that, but man came up with the Bible. It's something man came up with. And we already talked about the unity and the amazing, you know, that's just amazing, all the different writers over 1,500 years pointing to the same story. But we know as believers that 2 Peter, we know what it says there to be true. It says they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They spoke from God by the Holy Spirit. So it's God's revelation to man. It's not something they just simply came up with on their own. So we believe the Bible is God's re- revelation to man. We also believe that um, the Bible shows us God's will. The Bible shows us God's will. Um, how many of you have been at a point in life when you're like, God, I need to know what you want from me, what you want for me to do. I need to know your will. Anybody? Yeah, a bunch of us. And um, the best place to go when you're trying to figure out what God wants you to do in life is to go to the Bible if you, if you want to know what God wants you to do in life, you have to spend time with Him in prayer. You talk to God and you listen to Him, and He also communicates to you through reading of His Word. And that's where you find His will. So here at Naxia Church, that's what we believe, that God shows us His will through the Bible. And I've always found it interesting um, when I hear a believer who's decided to make a choice in life, to do something in life that goes against the Bible. I've heard believers make this statement, well, I prayed about it. And I think, well, you know, that's nice. You can pray 24-7, 365 days a year, but if you're praying about something that goes directly against God's Word, there's no, there's no point praying about it. God's not going to go, well, you know what? You're really special. I'll change that for you. God doesn't work that way, right? Um, so I find that amazing. Listen, God will never tell you to do something that goes against His Word. And uh, I'm not a brilliant man, but I understand this, that if God con- contradicted Himself then he would not be perfect. And if God is not perfect, he is not God. And so it's important to realize that God uses his word to show us his will, and that's how we should base our lives. Um, The other thing we believe as a church is we believe the Bible is the ultimate guideline for our lives. A verse I remember learning as a small kid in Sunday school growing up is this verse, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Anybody ever run through the woods at night without a flashlight? You can lose an eyeball, you know. Not smart to do, you know. You run into a tree, you trip over a stump or a rock. And life's that way. As we're going through life, this is what guides our way as a believer. We follow his word and life goes much better. Um, How many of you have been to Maui, the island of Maui in Hawaii? Yes, amen. Let's go. Let's go tomorrow love it there. <laughs> Not a day goes by I don't think about Maui. I don't know what it is. I'm obsessed with the island. But here's the deal. On Maui there's a road called the Hana Highway, the road to Hana. Been there? Survived it. Did you get the t-shirt I survived the Hana Highway? A lot of people get that. 50 miles of snaky curve road, 51 lane bridges where you have to stop and let other people go across. It started out as a gravel path that ancient Hawaiians would use to get around that side of the island. Um, they use convicts to widen it to um, a real gravel road, and then eventually they've paved it. But along the way, there are these stone walls, like this picture here. That's a stone wall on the bottom, and you can see over the bridge. They put up these stone walls because the architect, the person who was working on the, designing this road, knew this road will not be safe if there's not some kind of guardrail there. We need to be able to keep people on the road because if they go beyond the road, it's dangerous. Um, can we see the next one? There's the road part of it. If you go off the guardrail, where do you go? You die. It's just not safe to do. You go off one side, you drop into the ocean. The other side, you run into the mountain or drop into the jungle or into a lovely, beautiful waterfall. You know, it's just not safe to go beyond that barrier. It's a guardrail to keep people safe. And, and I've had people say to me, You know, uh, the Bible is just a big list of rules. Following God is all about the do's and don'ts. It's just a bunch of rules, and I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I think about this. um, You know what? It's not a list of rules. The Bible is a guardrail. God is the architect, the engineer, the designer of life. You're breathing right now because God allows you to. And if God designs life, then God knows what's best for us. And He knows that when we go beyond the guardrail... We go beyond what his Bible says to be boundaries in our lives. We lose our peace. We lose our joy. And the only place to find those things is if you stay in between those guardrails. He does it for our good. And so we just have to change our perspective sometimes. It's to keep us safe. It's to give us a good life. It's where we find the guidelines for our life. We also believe at Nags Head Church that the Bible cannot be understood without a spiritual rebirth. Now I've been a believer, a follower of Christ since I was seven years old, just 10 years ago. Some of you still awake. I did the math, I used the calculator on my computer and figured out that was 37 years ago um, is when I became a follower of Christ. And uh, I don't remember a lot before then. I mean I remember the moment I put my faith in Jesus Christ in the living room of our house at 2918 Langhorn Road, Lynchburg, Virginia, with my mom. I remember doing that. I, I'm, I've never doubted my salvation because I remember that point. And I was like, that's when I did it. And my whole life I've known that. But what I don't remember is I don't remember a lot the, before those years. I used to, but it seems like every year some things keep slipping away. Parking garage is getting full of other things and other cars are leaving. So... Um, you know, I don't. I remember my parents reading the Bible to me. I remember going to Sunday school. I don't really remember ever cracking open the Bible before I was seven, just reading it on my own. But I've talked with believers who have told me, you know what, before I became a Christian, I would try to read the Bible. I would open it up. I would grab the Bible. I'd open it up, and I'd start reading, and it just made zero sense. I couldn't make heads or tails of it, and I'd just get frustrated, and I would close it, and I'd put it up for Long amount, you know, long periods of time, and then I'd come back to it, and it just did not make sense. But they have gone on to say, you know what, the moment I put my faith in Jesus, I started reading His Word, things started to make sense. Things started to come together. I started to understand what I was reading. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why that happens. Um, Because the Holy Spirit, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in our lives. Um, we become the sanctuary. Don't ever refer to this room as a sanctuary around me, right? This is an auditorium. It's a room. Uh, Like I said, when you're not here, God is not, you know, there's not like an angel's floating around in here. It's just a big empty room. You're the sanctuary, the dwelling place of God. And so when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and his spirit comes to live in you, you start to get it because part of what the Holy Spirit does is, is the Holy Spirit teaches us. That's part of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Do you remember the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, um, and the eunuch's riding along in his chariot, and, and he's reading um, some scriptures from what would be the Old Testament, and he's riding along, and he just does not understand it, and he's trying to figure it out, and, and this is an educated man, uh, high up in the government, and, and so he's you know, trying to grasp this stuff, and, and here comes Philip, and Philip says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Ethiopian eunuch says, no, I, I don't get it, I don't, this does not make sense. This is the Andy version, by the way. You won't find it in the KJV. The story's there, but it sounds different. There's more these and thous. So he says, I don't get this stuff. And Philip says, would you like someone to show you? And the guy's like, yeah, please, explain this stuff. Philip gets up in the chariot with him, rides along with him, and starts teaching him from the word of God what's going on and explaining it to him. And you remember the story, the guy put, he becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, and, and they stop the chariot, and he gets baptized right then and there. Philip was the one that helped him. And and before this Ethiopian eunuch, before he met Christ, he didn't get it. But once he put his faith in Jesus Christ, things started to make sense and started to uh, come all together for him. That's how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. So what do I need to do in my life to make sure that God's word is the foundation of what I do, what I say, how I live out my faith? And I want you to answer this question in your mind. Think about this. Um, And you can even write an answer on your paper if you want. But think about this. Do I believe what I believe because I have checked it out for myself in God's Word? Or am I simply going by what others have told me? Do I believe what I believe because I've checked it out in here? Or am I going by what others have told me? Because if you go by what others have told you, you're going to get some messed up theology, messed up doctrine. I grew up my whole life, I've been going to church. I went to church nine months before I was born. And I've been at church... Almost every Sunday, if I was bleeding from my eyes, my mom and dad would make me go to church. You know, just, you're going. I don't know how many kids I gave the flu at Sunday school, you know. <laughs> and I've been going to church my whole life, and and I can tell you there came a point, there were years when you said, Andy, why do you believe that it's just simply belief that saves you, belief in Jesus Christ? I would have went, uh, i uh. uh believe it because that's what my mom and dad believe. I believe it because that's what I was taught at church. I could not tell you. I believe it because this is what God's word says. I believed for a long period of life what I was taught, which is a good thing to be taught. But there came a point in my life when I had to finally say, okay, what what do I believe? I've got faith, but what is it? And and can I back it up, what I believe? Because a lot of times we believe stuff we can't back up. Um, So... Am I simply going by what others have told me or am I digging in myself into God's word? So how can we take all that? This is what we believe. We say we believe it as partners in the said Church. How do we make sure that this is happening in our lives? Three quick things that I want to um, talk about on how we can apply this in our lives. First of all, read God's word. Make it a priority. Read the Bible. Make it a priority. Make this a daily habit in life. This should be one of our spiritual disciplines. Some of you last Sunday took Pastor Steve's class about this, getting back to the basics, the spiritual disciplines. And he talks, he teaches in that class about reading the Bible and how important that is. Um, it takes, some say it takes 30, some say it takes 40 days to develop a habit in your life. And, and I know for a fact that um, if you develop a habit, It may take 30 or 40 days to develop that habit. It can just take a matter of a couple few days to destroy that habit. Uh, Why? Because there have been times when I've developed the habit of reading the Bible every day. And then one morning I wake up, the alarm clock did not go off. I'm running late. I hit the ground running. I go to work, and, and I work all day. I get home, I'm wiped out, and I end up spending the whole day without ever opening the Bible and reading God's Word. Next day, something like that happens or another conflict happens. In the morning. Pretty soon, two or three days go by, a week, a month, two months, two years, five years, you realize I have never opened this Bible on my own. Just on Sunday mornings when the preacher says, turn to whatever book. So it takes 30 to 40 days to establish the habit. So perhaps spending time on a daily basis with God and His Word is not something that you usually do or it's an area that you struggle with. I would encourage you to come up with a plan to reading God's word. Um, I know that during the month of January, several of us read through the book of Proverbs. Uh, Pastor Rick said, Hey, during the month of January, why don't you do this? Read the book of Proverbs. And so several of us read every um, day. We would read a chapter from Proverbs. And I know this because I would go to Facebook, the ultimate source of knowledge. If you don't know me, that was tongue in cheek, that was sarcasm. <laughs> Please don't go and go, that preacher said Facebook is the ultimate source of knowledge. (laughs) It's not. It's a way we stalk each other legally. So, (laughs) I went to Facebook, and and, and sometimes I'd read something, and I'd stick it on there. Sometimes, when I read the Bible, I'll put a verse or two from what I read up on Facebook. So I would go, and I would see other people from our church. They were reading the same chapter. It was always interesting to me how we would all put different verses or different things, and I thought that was really cool. So, We did that through January. Well, it came to the end of January, and I thought, what am I going to do? So I decided what I was going to do from there is I was going to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm still in Matthew because we're just in February. And I decided I would read it through the perspective of how did Jesus interact with people? And because I I had this inkling that a lot of times Jesus interacted with the people that were the social outcasts, the people with disease, the people that others steered clear from, the people that really just had big needs in their life, and that's how he would reach people, was he would meet their needs, and then they would follow him. And I think sometimes in the church we have a messed up, we don't want to help people until we get them to cross that line of faith, and it's just not how Jesus did it. And so I've been reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I'm going that direction just to see how Jesus interacted with people. And my habit is this. When I wake up in the morning, now this morning was different because I knew I had to be here early and I was preaching today, so I set my alarm clock. Usually I don't. I've got these two alarm clocks at home called Ava and Eli. They wake us up. And... um, you know, it used to be screaming. Now it's just constant, Daddy, Mommy, Daddy. You know, They're both in chorus. So they got a song. But this morning, I set the alarm clock, and I actually woke up before the alarm clock, which is very unusual. And I, so I got up, went to the um, sofa, opened up my computer, and, and I pulled up uversion.com. And, and some of you will think this is just terrible, but it's very rare that I open an actual printed copy of the Bible anymore because I've got it right there And I can look at it in different versions. I can cross-reference and look at other verses all like that. It just speeds things up. And so every morning I open it up, go to uversion.com. I have an account. And so today I read Matthew 20. Tomorrow morning when I open it up, go to uversion.com. Guess where it goes? Next chapter. It's great. And so it keeps track for me. And I can read... I can write my own notes, man. I just you know what I learned that morning. I can write it right there in the computer, and if I want to publish it, I can, and I can read what other people have put uh, written and learned from from that same chapter um, so that 's my habit. I get up and do that. I read a chapter every morning i 'm not perfect. there are mornings that things happen, and i don 't do that, but I try to read sometime during the day, um, you know in preparation uh, for life. I want to read the Bible, and so that 's my habit sometimes it happens. Before the kids get up, sometimes it happens while they're eating breakfast, and I do that. And some people, when they have children, there's a little parental tip. Some people, when they have children, they feel like, okay, I've got to go tuck myself away and spend time with God. And so they'll go off in a room while their kids are in another room, and they read the Bible, which might be good to study the Bible that way, but one of the things I remember growing up is my dad, every day, would sit in his chair, whatever chair that was at the time, and he would have open his big Bible. King James Version, giant print edition. And I noticed I, every time I preach, I'm like bumping the size of my font up, by the way, because it's just getting bad. But I remember growing up, my dad would read the Bible, and he'd have books over here on this table, a notepad over here, and he didn't go tuck himself away. He learned to, I guess, block out the distraction, because five kids in the home, and, and he would stay the Bible... I've never asked him, maybe I should, but I think he did that on purpose so that we could see to dad that is important. The shame of it is most parents today, it's not important, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. But it's a habit. Read God's word, make it a priority. Second thing is study God's word. Study God's word individually and with others. As I thought about and was typing this up, I thought, well, isn't reading... The same thing as studying, and no, it's not. Studying, study would be digging deeper. Reading is something I do in the morning. I read a chapter, but then studying is something I do another time during the week where I dig a little bit deeper in some part of the Scripture, some part of the God's Word, or in a study of some sort. And, and use helpful tools. You know, Some of you have the Bible. Your Bible has cross-references. Check those out. Um, study Bibles that have all those great notes in them, commentaries, um, you know, that can help you get a better handle on the text that you're studying the, in the Word. But be careful, though. Something I've discovered over the years is that some of us have the tendency to read more books written by Christian authors about the Bible than we do actually reading the Bible. I'm not saying don't read what other people write, but there's got to be a balance there. And always read with a critical eye as you read what other people write about the Bible. So the best study tool we can use for the Bible is the Bible. Study, dig deeper. The person that says, I'm not being fed at church or the connection group that I'm in isn't going deep enough for me, might as well make a big banner and hold it up. Huge banner that says, I don't dig into God's word on my own. I'm not a self-feeder. Because I tell you, where I go the deepest in God's Word is when it's just me and God. And I'm studying His Word on my own. That's where I get to go the deepest. So not only should we study the Bible on our own individually, but we should study the Bible with others as well. Because, and those of you that are in small groups, you understand this. Because sometimes people challenge your thoughts or even challenge your beliefs, which is a good thing, because you need to learn how to back up what you believe. And they'll encourage you to own your own faith as you study the Bible together. And that's why connection groups are so important. Um, I get together with several men each Wednesday at noon, and we spend an hour um, talking about what we're studying together as a group. Um, We meet down at the South Beach Grill at mile post 16. It's called Real Men Eat Lunch. That's the name of our group. And we we sit down and we eat lunch and we study the Bible together using whatever curriculum we're using at the time. And uh, it's a great thing to do. It's a great place to make Bible study a part of your life is in your connection group. So study God's word individually and with others. The third thing is make God's word the footer, the foundation of your home. Make God's word the foundation of your home. Whether you're single, a retired couple with no kids in the home, or you've got just like a crazy house full of kids, whatever, make God's word the foundation of your home. And because of God's calling on my life to minister to students, families are very important to me. And and I've been doing youth ministry stuff now for 19 years, and often I see Christian families building their foundations on the foundation of athletics, um, academics, social life, entertainment, rather than building their family's foundation on the Word of God. So we have many families in the church today, and when I talk about the church, I mean Nags Head Church today, with a weak and poor footer on their foundation, and one day, their home is going to come crashing down. Deuteronomy 6, some of my favorite verses in the Bible, just over the past six years, by the way, have these become my favorite. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. See, it's the parent's job, not the youth pastor's job. Impress them on your children. Talk about it when you sit at home. Now, at my home, usually it's just me doing the sitting because they are just all over the place. But when you sit at home, talk about God's word. When you walk along the road, we don't walk much anymore, do we? To get from A to B, we, we drive. So you could just say, when you ride in the minivan or the SUV, talk about God's word. When you lie down at night, what a great time to spend time with your kids talking about God as they're going to sleep. And, and, and I mean six year old, six years old or 16. Now, if they're 16 and you've never done this, it's gonna freak them out. But they'll get used to it after a few months as you create this habit in their lives. Lie down, and when you get up, At my house, my dad was the gunnery sergeant, and at my house, he didn't get up by reading a book. It's you know, chapter from Psalms or Proverbs. It was lights went on, rise and shine. You know, but as you get up, talk about God's word. In other words, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The Bible should be the fabric of your home, whether you've got children or not, whether you're married or not. It should be the fabric of your home. I did a survey in youth group a few weeks ago. It was anonymous, um, and some of you will be relieved about that. But I wanted, and what's funny is when I talked to the youth leaders that night, we always meet like 15 minutes before youth group to kind of go over the game plan. I said, We're doing this survey tonight. And one of the youth leaders said, Uh oh, Andy's meddling. And uh, I chuckled. And so I had this idea, and actually I wanted to confirm this idea that I had tucked away in my head. And so we did this survey about the Bible in the home with students. And this is what our youth group um, shared with me. A couple of results from that survey. There's 40 students that night were there. 65% of the students in our youth group say that their family does not spend any time during the week in the Bible. This means (laughs) moms and dads are not opening the Bible at all during the seven-day period to read any scripture with their son or daughter. 65%. Um, I knew... It was bad, but I didn't think it was that bad. And you say, how do do you know, Andy? Because when you start hanging around people, you start to realize what's going on in their lives. And I thought, man, this is bad. And 65%. Now, 35%, the upside is 35% are. And there's some families in our church that every day they read the Bible with their kids. That is fantastic. And they need to be sharing how they do that with the other parents. That's why we have the parent pod is so important for parents of teenagers to get together, encourage each other as they parent teenagers. Um, another connection, I think, to this st- statistic of 65%, there's a connection, connecting statistic. That's a lot of words. If you say statistic a bunch, that's tricky. Um, this is It's this. 75% of our students do not read the Bible on their own during the week. In other words, the only time they read the Bible is when they get it here at youth group and Sunday morning at church. That's it. Um, for some one, one parent one student wrote, because I asked them the reason why. If you don't read the Bible, please tell me why. And they gave me their list of excuses. No reasons, but I got a list of excuses. And one of them said, I don't because my dad reads to us. Parents, when your kid is able to read, let them read. At our house, supper time, you did not get up from the table because dad was gonna whip out that, you know, big old Bible. And hand it to one of the kids, and he would hand the daily bread to another one, and we would read. Parents, let your kids do the reading. Read with them, but let them do some of the work too with you. It's building that habit in their life. And so um, the main excuse, though, as I I looked at the survey was, I'm too busy. (laughs) Oh, I laughed. It's sad, but I laughed because, you know, like most of us adults in here, I'm working 40 plus hours a week I get up early, I got, you know, screaming kids to feed. I get home and Misha's been with the kids all day and you ladies know what that's like. And uh, get home and I'm the chef in the home so I do the cooking most of the time and it's eight thirty, nine o'clock before I have time to breathe. I still manage to get on Facebook. I still manage to watch a little TV here and there, read things on the internet, check out the news. If I've got time to do all that, I've got time to read the Bible, and there's no way. If you're a teenager, listen, because I'm talking to you, you're no no busier than I am. And parents, if our kids are too busy, then it's our own fault. They don't have to do everything under the sun. All right? They don't have to do it all. So I'm too busy. I don't have time. And I wonder, you know, where are they learning this from, right? If we're to teach our kids the Bible, then we're teaching them not to read the Bible. And I started thinking about the statistic, and I thought to myself, you know what? This, this really worries me because if the Bible is the footer of our foundation at Nags Head Church, I bet, and I won't survey you and won't ask you to stand up, but I bet you in this room there's at least 50% of us that don't read the Bible on a daily basis. And there might even be more that don't read the Bible at all during the week because I've learned this in the years is that a youth group is simply a reflection, a mirror of the church as a whole. And so it started to get me nervous because here we are. This is our foundation. This and we're ignoring it. We're not teaching it to our children as we're supposed to. So why should I read the Bible? Okay, Andy, this is great. You've helped me to do this. Why should I even do this? Why should I make this the foundation of my home? There are some benefits, you know, because let's be honest. In life, whenever we're asked ask something, we always want to know what's in it for me. And there are some benefits to building a life on the foundation of God's Word. I think back to Psalm 19, 7 through 11 that we read um, earlier, and it gives me some great reasons as I read those. I thought, man, this is awesome. This is why I need to be spending time in the Bible. Um, The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. You ever feel just drained? Not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, just wore out. Spend time here. It revives the soul. It brings life to the very core who we are. It revives my soul. If you need reviving, get in the Word. The second part of the verse says, The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. I don't know about you, but I need some wisdom. Uh, I'm no scholar. I'm not a genius. I've never even been offered to take the test. Let's see how smart he is. No one's even ever offered that. They're like, boy, he's dumber than a rock, isn't he? (laughs) So I'm not a genius. So I'm about as simple as it gets. And so that's why it's important for me to spend time reading God's Word. I need his word to give me wisdom. And I don't know about you, but I need that in my life. Those verses in Psalm 19 go on to tell us that God's word gives us joy to our hearts, Um, insight to living. These are things we should want in our lives. His word is more valuable than gold and sweeter than honey. Why wouldn't we want this in our lives? Joy, insight, something valuable, something sweet in our lives. Who wouldn't want those things? That's what I want in life. And for most of us, the Bible is just sitting on a table somewhere in our house, collecting dust, just waiting to be read. So, my question is are we, church, taking this for granted, this Bible? I've grown up with Bibles in my house my whole life. Back in my office, there's probably 10 copies. And we've taken it for granted church because we walk by it every day without even cracking it open to read it and you see these people just waiting to read God's word. I don't know about you but when I saw that the first time I was convicted. God don't let me take this for granted. I don't know where you're at today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. But folks, God's word must be the foundation of your life. And I love Nags Head Church, and I think Nags Head Church is a great church, but I think there's a problem. I think we're ignoring the footer. And I've learned something about construction. The building is gonna crumble if your footer's not strong, whether it's in your life personally or in your church. So what will you do today? What will be the step that you make? Perhaps you need to just simply start reading the Bible on your own on a daily basis. Maybe, parents, you need to read the Bible with your child. And when I say child, I mean 1, 2, 3, 13, 17, 20 if they're in your home. Maybe you need to start doing that this week. Maybe you read the Bible, but you aren't studying the Bible and you're dependent on others to dig deep for you, to feed you, maybe this week you need to start digging deeper. Maybe today you need to become a self-feeder. That's part of growing up spiritually. Maybe you're here and you read the Bible every day. As a matter of fact, you study the Bible all the time on your own. Maybe the next step is you need to coach somebody, a new believer, somebody who's not spiritually mature, and start coaching them and teaching them how to study and dig on their own in God's Word. Whatever it is, I pray you take that step today. And I I pray you have the excitement for God's Word that the Kim Y'alls have. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your Word. It's true. People have died because of their faith in your word. Lord, I thank you that we have a copy that we can read, and and God, I know most people in this room have a copy of the Bible. Lord, convict us as a church if we're not spending time with you and your word individually, if we're not spending time with you in the word as a family, if we're not spending time in your word by studying with a group of other believers in, in a connection group, God, convict us of that. And may we today walk out of this place determined to do the right thing and to please you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.